you know, more than anything, what bothers me about my sister's death and, and about addiction in general, I think in this country, the way people perceive it is once you become an addict, everything else that you've done in your life is kind of disqualified in other people's mind. And automatically that's how you're defined. You know, my sister was a lot of things before she became a heroin addict. And she continued to be a lot of things while she was a heroin addict besides a heroin addict. But people tend to just take that and make it, you know, your entire being. And I don't know. I, I think that we really have to change the way we think about addiction in this country because nobody's safe from it. It can happen to anybody. If it could happen to my sister growing up in a really nice privileged environment and household with all the right ingredients, it could happen to anybody. And I think that's really important for people to understand. Sean Dustin spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. Upon release in 2006, he had nothing but the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and legal paperwork. In 2010, he kicked a long-time methamphetamine habit and started the long climb back up the ladder of life. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. If you want transparency and authenticity, you're in the right place. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and this is Sean Dustin. What's up, everybody? Thanks for stopping by the show. If this is your first time listening, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. It is good to have you with us today. Tomorrow is New Year's Eve. We are closing out 2020 and moving into 2021. Uh, for most of us, probably this year wasn't that uh, that good. It's definitely been different, volatile, to say the least. I'm not going to get too much into that. What I do have for you, though, is another great episode about addiction and uh, loss and a bunch of other things. One of the things I want to touch on real quick, though, is if you're getting anything out of this show, please, uh, value for value. If I'm providing some value to you, could you please provide some value back to me in whatever form that you can? I definitely could use some YouTube followers out there. I'm at 113, can definitely use more. Everything that I do that's in the audio format at some point will end up over on the uh, YouTube channel in video format. So head on over to there and subscribe. You can find all of my social media links and all the ways to support the show uh, in my link tree, which is in the show notes on every episode. Also subscribe. If you're listening right now and you just tuned in, hit that subscribe button because that'll help me be visible to other people. The more subscribers I have, the more visible I am on the platforms. That helps. You could rate the show. That's a great way as well. Review the show. I'm definitely in need of some of those. I've got 43 reviews so far and I could use, uh, well, not 43. I think I have maybe 20 something. 
but I could use some reviews. So if you're liking what I'm doing, uh, head on over and give me a review. That's another way for me to be able to see how I'm doing uh, with the audience. Also have a merchandise store. And if you just don't feel like any of that and you just want to support, you can tip the show uh, through either PayPal, the Cash App, Venmo. Patreon, you know, I haven't really done much over there. I have one. Uh, it's live, but it's, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. I have a couple of subscribers over there. And really, they're just subscribing to 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 donate to the show monthly. So if that's something that you want to do, you can do that as well. Uh, at some point, Patreon will be done and I'll have the tiers. I, I have to rework the whole thing. Other than that, I mean, I hope you're getting uh, something out of this. I know that I am. You know, I've got uh, almost 90 episodes out now. Uh, still have a, a truckload waiting to come out. Uh, that's getting, that's going to be, uh, that, that mountain of, of content is slowly dissipating. So it's been, it, I've done, a, I've, I've done a better job at it this, this month, but, uh, you know, it's tough. So a little bit about this episode that I need to let you guys know about. All right. So I'm interviewing a woman named Amber. We'll just leave it at Amber. When I when I interviewed her, she was the co-host of a show called Wind Down Wednesdays. I listened to it. I liked it. Uh, we had talked back and forth on face on Messenger, Facebook. Uh, we were a part of the same groups, and she was engaging quite a bit. And so I reached out to her and said, "Hey, man, you want to be on the show? I like your energy." And turns out that she had a a, a story that kind of fit within uh the bottoms and life struggles part of of what I cover. Uh you know, we did the episode. Uh this was in May and we are now in December, so that was quite a bit ago, which a lot of the next 7 or 8 episodes are going to be in the month of May. So, just a FYI. And the 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 cool thing and not so cool thing about this is that we were in the lockdown then and we're in the lockdown still now. Uh, you know, the content is still relevant, so to say. So I got lucky there. But when I reached out to try to f uh, contact Amber, nothing. Facebook uh, profile page disappeared. Uh, the podcast that they were doing, Wind Down Wednesdays, stopped at like episode seven and, and nothing. I reached out to the show email and crickets, nothing. So I don't know what happened to Amber. Um, you know, this was a, a, a pretty, uh, deep episode as far as, you know, her story and what she went through. So I don't know. Uh, but that just goes to show that even when you have a good show, it's really easy to pod fade and pod fade is really the, what happens to a show that, you know, they're in like they're, they're up to 10 and they just, they just fall off. You know, a lot of it is time, you know, people don't realize how much time it takes to actually produce a podcast and, you know, to do it all right. And they just kind of like, eh, you know, the, 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 the reward just isn't there. You know, you really have to love doing what you do when you're podcasting because there's, 
you're oftentimes spending more money than you're bringing in, uh, more time than, than, you know, a lot of things are suffering from doing your podcast and you have to love it and you have to be here for the right reasons in order to stick it out. Otherwise it's just, it's, if you're not here for good reasons or you don't love it, it, it's very easy to just drop it and move on to the next thing. So I just wanted to, you know, kind of put that out there that that's sort of what, what can happen within, you know, six or seven months, you know, you could see a good show and then all of a sudden it just disappears and falls off. So hopefully I hope Amber's okay. I'm still going to release the episode. And there's one part that I need to clear up about what something, a statement that I made around 40 minutes. I made a statement that I couldn't verify after I fact checked myself from listening back this morning and I couldn't find anything to verify it. And it was kind of a, I don't know, I I wouldn't say it was a dumb statement, but it was more bro science and, and you know, maybe something that I'd heard in another podcast or heard from somebody else. So I definitely, when I listened back to it, I'm like, that sounds really stupid. You should probably check that. And so I did, and I couldn't find anything that corroborated what I said. So just disregard it and, and, you know, call it whatever you want. But aside from that, I hope everybody has a happy, uh, or a safe, uh, new year's. I hope everybody had a great holiday. Uh, the one, you know, you, some people probably went to their families. Some didn't. I know I didn't. Did the Zoom thing. Uh, so, you know, times are weird still. And hopefully, you know, we go back to normal. But, you know, from what I'm seeing, a lot of people are saying that. And even leaders, uh, you know, the the mayor of, of New York is, or not the governor of New York is, said that we're we're never going back to normal. So I don't know what that means. I hope it doesn't mean what I think it means. But either way, stay safe. Thank you all for all the support that you've given me over the last year or no, what is it? Almost two years in May it'll be. Uh plenty of content to come. And as soon as I catch up on all of this stuff, I'm changing my format around so you will no longer have to wait that long for episodes to drop. I will have a designated time that I will be live streaming all of my content. Uh, you know, new, new, new episodes will be live streamed and immediately brought over, uh, as soon as I get caught up. So (sighs) easier said than done, but that's what the plan is. uh, And that's what I'm going to try to do going forward. So like I said, I hope you're enjoying what's what I'm putting out. And if you're getting any value out of this, please try to add some value back. And with that, let's get to the show. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and I'm your host, Sean Dustin. Tonight, I am talking to Amber, and Amber is from New York. Long Island, New York. Long Island, New York. Long Island, Long Island. Whatever. I'm not even trying. I don't think I could do it right. <laughs> it's Long Island. Yeah, Long Island. There you go. That's right. Um, and so, yeah, I, I met Amber. Uh, she's in one of the Facebook groups that I belong to, the podcasting group, and she's been pretty active in there uh, and engaging with uh, all of the members. And she's very interesting. And I listened to her podcast that she hosts or co-hosts, uh, Wind Down Wednesdays. 
Uh, it's actually a pretty good podcast. I, I like the, 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 how was it? The, um, the difference between both of you two, you know what I mean? She's like super straight laced. Yeah. She's like super straight laced. And then you're like this little edgy, uh, spicy redhead that, you know, the, there's like one side of you when you're with her. And then there's the other side of you. That's, you know, the, the, the 420, uh, there's consumption. Many sides of me, Sean. <laughs> don't we, don't we all have them? <laughs> so anyways, I was thinking how many personalities I actually had today. <laughs> Yeah, how many did you get to? <laughs> uh, three for sure. <laughs> um, I'm three solid. <laughs> nice. Right there with you. So tell me, what kind of uh, stories do you got to tell me today? Uh, well, you know what? It was kind of a long road getting here. I mean, I feel like right now I'm in the best point that I've been in a super long time. And where did I start? I guess it had to be four years ago when um, it was it was four years ago, actually, this March, this past March, that my younger sister died suddenly of a heroin overdose. And yeah, it was horrible. It was unexpected. Um, And it really changed the dynamic of our family and my life for a very long time after that. Um, So. You know, ever since then, it's been it's been an uphill battle. So did like, did you guys know that she was um, like addicted or was she hiding it or was it like a a thing that was happening and, you know, you guys had been trying to deal with it or like, how did that like, like, what what was it like? So my sister um, was diagnosed with bipolar at Uh a young age, uh, about 11 years old. Um, and then around age 14, she started dating somebody who was a lot older than her and introduced her to heroin. And, um, she started using about when she was 15 years old and between, it was very young. Um, you know, it's rampant here on Long Island. It's everywhere. And she started using, I would say, yeah, about 15 and she was in and out of, rehabilitation facilities and hospitals and um, juvenile detention centers from the time, you know, she was that age until she passed away when she was 24. But, you know, what was strange was, you know, our experience with it, our family's experience with it, I think was unique because I do feel like a lot of the times when people become addicted to a drug the way they're perceived is that they must come from a bad family. They must come from a bad upbringing. Something must be wrong. But you know what? My sister and I, and and I have two sisters, you know, if you include the one that passed, um, the three of us, we were raised in, in a very nice environment. There was nothing wrong with our upbringing. We had everything ideal and everything accessible to us that would be important in raising a good and productive I guess, member of society, if you will. So, you know, I think that what people fail to realize sometimes is that we're not all playing with the same deck of cards. You know, we're not all coming from the same space emotionally or mentally, right? So we're not all going to have those coping skills or those mechanisms to get through hard times. Yeah. So in yeah. the case of somebody like my sister who was bipolar, it's it's nearly impossible to achieve recovery. Yeah, bipolar is tough, man. Uh, my my dad and and sorry that 
you know, about your sister, that's got to be hard. Were you guys uh, close before she got into her heavily into her addiction? Yeah, we were we were very close. So I'm uh, I'm seven years older than her, and um, <clears throat> I was responsible for taking care of her all while I was growing up. So I was almost like a mom to her for many years. Um, and when she became addicted to drugs and it really tore us apart. Um, and then when she passed, it was kind of like losing a daughter. So wow. yeah, it was deep. It was very deep for me. Yeah. That's, uh, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't, it's not, it's not often that I hear, you know, cause I was an addict myself, but it was, uh, you know, and I, I put my mom and, and my family through, through quite a bit. Uh, but I think it's a little bit different for, you know, when a guy's, uh, going through, you know, their addiction than it is for a female. Um, I mean, it's the same thing, but I mean, I think it's, I don't know. That just, it seems like, uh, like, I don't know what I would do, man. If, uh, if like one of my, if one of my siblings, especially one that I was close to, you know what I mean? Just, it just, just, it wasn't there anymore. So I'm sorry that that happened. Uh, thank you. And, uh, thank you. you. Know, you know, though, I guess the best thing that you can say is, you know, at least you know that she's not struggling anymore, you know, and if you, yeah. like you said that, uh, you know, her, she was doomed because of, you know, the bipolar and bipolar is really, that's a, oh man, that's a, there's a, the swings are just so drastic, you know what I mean? The mania that comes along with it. And my dad was, uh, he had, he was married to a lady that was like that and it was like, you know, it, it would just be uh, like super project and I'm gung ho about something. And then all of a sudden it's just like, it won't leave the bedroom for weeks, you know? Yep. Yep. And, and, and it's not something that people can control. So um, typically what will happen with somebody who's bipolar and, you know, I'm not a doctor, but I, I feel like I can comment on this because, you know, my, <laughs> I grew up with somebody who struggled so badly with this. Um, so typically when someone's bipolar, they will take their medication, um, you know, for let's say the six weeks or whatever it takes for it to kick in. And then once they start to feel good again, uh, they'll say, hey, you know, I, I'm back to normal. I don't need this anymore. And they'll mm. kick it and then they start to feel worse and it's like a cycle and it just keeps going around and around. So um, in the case of my sister, that's what happened. And, and you know what, if I could go back to your comment on it being worse as a woman or, you know, a girl to go through this, I would, I would say that I have to agree with that. Um, and I'll tell you why my, my sister's addiction led her down a lot of roads that opened her up to really dangerous situations for females, especially, I would say for anybody, but for females. Um, and I, I can remember one time, especially a uh, few years before she died where she was dating um, a really rough, really rough guy. Somebody you would probably expect somebody like my sister, I guess, to date. And um, he, uh, he started to, become violent with her and she called up my father for help and my father drove to her apartment that she shared with this man and he came outside this this man that she was dating came outside with a um I want to say it was a 12 foot steel chain in his hand and he started whipping it around at my father and giving him like third degree lacerations on his face and his body. And, you know, so as a female to be open to that 
and be in those situations. I mean, of course it's horrible as a male, but as a, a small female, I mean, yeah, totally worse. And that wasn't the only situation she'd been in like that. So. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. I was just thinking more of the, along the lines of, I mean, you're just, you're more, they're more vulnerable and they're more susceptible to, uh, rapes. Um, they're more susceptible to, um, you know, having to do, do things for the drugs that, you know what I mean? That some guy, some dealer is like, all right, well, if you ain't got money, you can do this. You know what I mean? And, and, and an addict usually, you know, they wouldn't say that to a guy. So that offer is just an enticement. And I'm sure that happens a lot. Yep. You know, I'm sure it does. So yeah, that's a, Addiction's horrible, man. It, uh, it, it, the way that it gets a hold of you and like, I felt like I was possessed literally for like 15, 16 years. Uh, it just uh, nothing. I could do nothing right. It, it was just, I was just constantly, you know, chasing something. And then one day it just went away. <laughs> it was weird. Did, did you seek help? Well, I mean, I'd been through multiple, uh, uh, rehabs jails, prisons. Um, you know, I, I'd been through a lot of different institutions. Uh, but I mean, there was no amount, I mean, I'd already been like when I'd stopped, I'd already been like through three different, uh, rehabs. So I mean, what's the fourth one going to do for me? You know, they're all, they're all right. going to tell me the same thing. And the problem isn't, you know, outside anywhere, it was always me, you know, did you feel like the people that were in the rehab, the people that surrounded you to a degree were more toxic for you than therapeutic? Well, I would say that I was the more toxic person in that place. Really? <laughs> yeah, in that place that that was being spread to everybody else because I mean there was I was just talking today to uh, to uh, you know sharing my story. And uh you know when I was in there it was a female it was co-ed, you know when I I went when I was 16, I didn't get out until I was a uh, you know 16 and a half, I didn't get out until I was 18. And it was co-ed. And so I mean I was always angling to to try and you know get somebody <laughs> get one of the, the female yeah. clients, you know, in the sack or, you know, trying to, yes. of course, you know, it, I even actually, I even had one of them run away with me and, and, and took care of it then and then came back and, you know, it got in a lot of trouble yeah. for it. My sister did that too. Yeah. Yeah. She, she ran out of rehab once and she was down in Florida and they, she walked out with some guy and they went on a, bender in Miami for like three days and she sent pictures and had a great time. And, you know, (laughs) I miss her. I mean, there, there are days where I think to myself, like, maybe I shouldn't have been so hard on her. Maybe I should have just let her do what she wanted to do. But when you love somebody, you, you never stop protecting them. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And, And it's almost like, you know, you want to, uh, and I've experienced this too on the other side. Cause the, one of the guys that I was, uh, you know, involved with doing my criminal activities, uh, when I got clean, he's the same way I, I, I got clean and he still went on and, you know, continued to use meth and, you know, has been homeless and all these other things. And it's like, I know the dude is so smart. Like he taught me how to do all the, all the stuff, you know? And it's like, right. And I'm like, man, I just, I don't get it, dude. What is it? What is it that you're missing? What, what's not, what, what's not clicking, man? You know, I've given you, I've given you a a car to drive for a year to try to get yourself out of the hole. Didn't tell you to ask you to pay me anything. 
you know what I mean? So now I'm, I'm on the other side of it. And that's been crazy because there's a lot of situations in my life where it, it, where things have happened that way, where I'm now seeing who I was through other people. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, but I I was going to say, I'm lucky. I'm lucky that I, 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 I stayed alive. I almost died a few times. I've OD'd at least two or three. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, something I'm here for something. I'm here for something. I don't know. I don't know what, but I mean, something didn't want me to go. Probably maybe this, (laughs) you know, Uh, maybe, maybe so I can talk about it and tell people that, you know, Hey, look, yeah. I mean, I had a lot of good times, but you know, there's a lot of dark times too. Yeah. I mean, I would say the thing that, that intrigued me about coming on the show was, you know, more than anything, what bothers me about my sister's death and, and about addiction in general, I think in this country, the way people perceive it is once you become an addict, everything else that you've done in your life is kind of disqualified in other people's minds. And, and automatically that's how you're defined. You know, my sister was a lot of things before she became a heroin addict. And she continued to be a lot of things while she was a heroin addict besides a heroin addict. But people tend to just take that and make it, you know, your entire being. And I I don't know. I I think that we really have to change the way we think about addiction in this country because nobody's safe from it. It can happen to anybody. If it could happen to my sister growing up in a really nice privileged environment and household with all the right ingredients, it could happen to anybody. And I think that's really important for people to understand. Addiction does not discriminate at all. It's not, you know, it, you know, it's, it, it spans the world. It spans everything. You know what I mean? All, all societies, all races, all colors, all people. You know, it's a, it's a, it's, it's just something that's ingrained in us because a lot of us want to, want to escape. You know, it's been a part of our society yeah. for years. You know what I mean? Alcohol. I mean, it's always been something that we would escape to. Um, you know, opium, you know, back in, if we want to go yes. way back in civilization. Right. But, of course. Yes. Hundreds of years. Um, Thousands of years. I, I think that the difference is though, is that, uh, when you, when you, prohibit something right when you when you make something illegal uh you automatically taboo right? yeah or taboo you you immediately turn it into something that's wanted you know because you're not supposed to yeah. do it and that's just how the humans right. are wired you know that's just how we're wired yeah uh you know, tell me i can't have something well why not and i'm gonna i want it now now i want it <laughs> <laughs> you know of course yes give it to me now yeah i didn't know what i i didn't know that i wanted it before but now that you've said it <laughs> Now I really I want it. Yeah, now I can't have it. Give it to me. <laughs> and and I can't stop thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah, so, that's how it is. Yeah, I didn't I don't know where I was going with that one. I took a I took a little little edible <laughs> before I some chocolate before I Nice. I got I got here. <laughs> love it. Oh yeah. Very nice. Yeah, I, I love making edibles and it's it's so much more affordable yeah, when you Yeah, tell me about those chocolates. So I got a buddy that uh, he's a grower and I get his, uh, he gives me all of his, uh, clippings from the buds and I'll just infuse my own cocoa butter or cacao butter, whatever it's called. And, uh, and I just make my own and it's way stronger than you can buy nice. in the store. And it's, uh, it tastes way better. Uh, what do I have? It's like, oh, it almost tastes like Andy's, uh, like peppermint because I put mint in it. Like the mints? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So. Uh. 
That brings back good memories. Yeah, I love it's like I, being a little kid in my grandma's house. Yeah, <laughs> eating those Andes. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love edibles, man. They're they're they there's so much there's for me there's so much more of a of a a cool like. It's not, and it's not even like a high so much, you know, sometimes I will, if I take two squares, I'll, I know I'll get, I'll get high, but if I take one or, you know, it's more like that feeling of well being. you know what I mean? So like would some people would use a, yeah. a Prozac or, you know, Zoloft for, you know, if you just, if you microdose, that does the same thing for you because you're not getting high. You're just, you're, you're getting the, the, the feeling of well being that everything's okay. <sighs> okay. This will pass. No, nothing that gets thrown at you yeah. ever like penetrates, you know, it's just like, all right, well, let's just take it as they come, whatever. <laughs> I mean, I've heard that. I don't have a lot of experience with edibles because, you know, in New York, it's, it's still pretty, it's still pretty illegal in New York really? to have anything uh, like that. Yeah. I mean, you need to have, you know, some kind of a doctor's prescription or something, you know? Um, but I know out West it's a little more liberal. So. Well, yeah. It's a lot more liberal. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, even although it, it has been legalized here, but there are still certain counties like the County that my ex lives in that, still says no we don't we don't care what the we don't care what the voters want no really yeah so i mean i think it might be easing up but i mean it's still i mean people still have that crazy ass idea about it it's like dude it's the most it's the best possible product you can have it has the most uses it has the most uses 100 percent of any commodity that we even have on the market right now and you know it's the my argument for it always comes back to you cannot overdose fatally overdose mm-hmm. from marijuana it nope. is not possible but can you die from alcohol from consuming too much alcohol absolutely and it can be done very easily and actually many many children do it every year so i don't understand what the problem is i don't know well it makes no sense the problem is, is that these, these, uh, these corporations, these big corporations, you know, like something, anything that that would take away from, okay, like pharmaceuticals, uh, that's a big one. You've got the oil company because now you can actually make, make, uh, diesel or fuels and, and, and oils to like, like light lamps and stuff like that from, from hemp as well. Uh, rope is two times as strong. So there's all these economies that, that by having it come in, these people would all lose. All right. And so they don't have a, they've already got a stronghold where they're at. Okay. So they don't want to lose that because as soon as the people who are in charge of, you know, own all the hemp things and, you know, that are running this economy, cause it's not these people, these people do not want to have nothing to do with these people over here. The, the people, the, the marijuana people, you know? And so they just happen to think the the medicinal purposes of marijuana are so vast that the pharmaceutical companies have a big role, I think, in in the in prohibiting legislation, like the full legislation of recreational marijuana throughout the entire country. Because if you are a marijuana user and you are listening to my voice right now, you know exactly how many different things you can use marijuana for to make you feel better. Mm-hmm. It's it's like a miracle drug, right? 
So it is. why why would it be legal? I think it would sink a lot of profit. Yep, it sure would. And we have a uh, good old uh, Harry Enslinger to thank thank for that. Uh, and 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 reefer ma- and reefer madness. <laughs> right, I know. You know his, his uh. His, oh, anyways, we don't want to start talking about the government. <laughs> <laughs> That's what editing is for, Sean. <laughs> yeah, but I'm lazy. If you've listened to any of my podcasts, man, I've I've got dude. I I don't even know how. Okay, so this is how crazy this is. So I've been doing all these interviews, right? Like I'm like, oh, I'm I'm big balling, man. I'm just I'm slinging these things, right, right and left. You know, sixteen in two days. And, uh, nice. And, uh, you know, so I'm sitting on like a 40, a 40 episode queue right now. And I'm like thinking to myself, I'm like, how, how are you going to do, how are you going to edit all those? <laughs> and, yeah, how and, are you? And, and get them, and get them out in a timely manner to where whatever you're talking about still relevant, you know? I was just, just like, gotta, you just got to put them in order of priority and uh, get them out. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a, put a stop after next week on anybody scheduling any more stuff on my, on my deal. So I can yeah. actually just take the time to start putting them out now. Yeah. Probably a good idea. Yeah. 40 in queue. Yeah. yeah. Lots of different people, man. Lots of different, uh, authors and, and dude, some really, really cool stories and, nice. cool, and cool people. Your, your, your stuff is good too, man. I, I, I you know, honestly, I didn't know what I was going to think how I was going to feel about it because it's two chicks. The The last time I, I started listening to two females was uh, guys that fucked me or guys we fucked. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think the, uh, the thing that makes Ashley and I so unique is, you know, I don't want to put a stereotype on women, but I think a lot of women that come out with podcasts or any kind of an entertainment, like, I don't know, genre, let's just say, they tend to cheapen it by either copping out to talking about motherhood or to talking about, you know, just sex and sex positions or whatever, you know, whatever it is they they're talking, they want, they think people want to hear from them, you know, but Ashley and I, we've worked together in the same corporate office for years now and we have lunch together every single day. Um, We're both educated women and we, had a lot of intelligent conversations over the years, over lunch, over drinks that we felt like we felt like we're really interesting. You know, we felt like we're, we're more to offer than just, you know, sitting around whining about our kids or <laughs> talking about how our, you know, husbands can't pleasure us or whatever, whatever it is. Like, I feel like women just, just, they just cheapen it. A lot of women just cheapen the message, you know? So we wanted to come out there with a show that would not only be entertaining, but also teach people something and, and bring them in on our conversations too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's funny. Cheapen it. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, 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 the sex does sell. I you know, honestly, I did, I did listen to that show. You, do you know what the show I'm talking about is? They're from New York. That's where they started. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember that their names are, uh, there was one of them was really cool. And like, I think she was the stoner one. She smoked weed okay. and was on hinged and, you know, would talk about all of her dating stuff. And then yeah, yeah, yeah. the other one was like super long Island Jewy. Uh, you know what I mean? With that really? nasal, nasally, <laughs> nasally kind of, you know what I mean? <laughs> okay. Like, oh, we want some coffee. I, I... You, you're going to get the coffee, huh? 
it's just every time she talked, man, I just wanted to like I was just like, oh God, shut up. I but, wonder I wonder if I like exaggerated it that I would get more attention or more success. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, but it was like it, the only thing that kept me there because was the other one was so cool. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah. I I definitely hook up with her, so I'll keep listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think what's cool is that, like, so Ashley's like the typical, like, conservative girl, like you were talking about, you know, and and I'm definitely not the typical conservative corporate girl. I am during the day, but then at night, like, you know, there's this whole other side to me that I don't get to really express. So that's what I use my show for is that's my outlet, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's cool, man. I, I didn't get a chance to do it because you do it usually at six, and I think I had a, 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 a scheduled time to talk. Uh, I'd have to make a disclaimer really quick. I, yes, I said Jewy, but it wasn't like in a, in a, like in a racist, <laughs> it wasn't in a racist way. So don't, don't think that I'm everybody, like everybody, everybody on Long Island is part Jewish or part Italian. That's just how it goes. I just, you know, uh, I had a, I was talking to a, a Jewish gentleman today, uh, on one of my, uh, interviews and I was telling him cause I had another, a rabbi on, uh, a while back and, I guess it's just with the culture, but the, the way that, that they explain things is like through stories, like stories from the Torah and, and stuff like that. It's like, there's always a story behind whatever, whatever thing that they're trying to tell you, you know, to inform you or teach you. It's like teachings. There's like tons of teachings, huh. you know, I, I don't do Interesting. You... I've never met a Jew like that. No. Well, no, he was just, <laughs> well, this was just trying to, are you being sarcastic? <laughs> No, I'm not. You know what? Everybody on Long Island is Jewish, like everybody. So it's like so normal to me. It probably happens all the time to me and I don't even realize. (laughs) So, yeah, I I did. I meant that in the most nicest uh, uh, possible way. (laughs) I didn't even think about it. (laughs) The most endearing way that you possibly could say that. It's fine. I'm not Jewish, so yeah. I didn't take any offense. No, I'm talking about the other people out there that maybe listen in to this at some point <laughs> that are. They're like thinking, anti-Semite. You're an anti-Semite. <laughs> yeah, I. So yeah. Um, what else? So you're talk. About, let's talk about you, man. I talk about me way too much. I, I always boomerang no, around. No, I mean I feel like you. I feel like you know my whole story already. <laughs> well, no. So, so, so I, I did start off. I told you the whole story of how my sister passed away. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And, um, and then when she, so when she passed, it was, I, you know, I always say it was unexpected, but how could it really be unexpected if somebody's struggling for so long with addiction? I mean, you always kind of have that in the back of your head, you know, that it's going to come down to, are they going to die? Are they going to make it out of this? Um, and the case of my sister, you know, having bipolar, we always kind of felt like, uh, the chances for full recovery were really, really slim, you know? So, so when she passed, um, I definitely have to say I hit total rock bottom and, um, there was a period of time where, uh, I mean, I was suicidal. I was, I was drinking a lot. I wasn't really leaving my bedroom. I was having trouble at work. And um, it felt like I had dug myself into a hole that I was never going to be able to climb out of. Eventually, I got help. I was able to, you know, see a doctor and get into therapy. And it was something I resisted for a long time because, 
you know, part of me felt like <clears throat> holding on to that pain was holding on to her a little bit. Do you know what I mean? No, that makes absolute sense. It does. I was just about to say that. I was saying that in my head as you were saying it. I mean, so, and I even had a doctor say to me at one point, you know, um, why are you holding on to this? Do you not want to feel better? Is it because you think you're going to lose her? And, and that was really what it was. I was afraid to, to release that pain. But once I did, you know, I was able to recover from her death and that really traumatic experience and learn from it and grow from it and come out of it a better person than I was before. So, you know, a lot of people, anybody who's listening to me now and has a family member who went through addiction or might've passed away, or, you know, maybe they're going through something now, there is that light at the end of the tunnel. You just have to, it's just one day at a time, you know, it's one day at a time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so did you, uh, so was the reason why you were feeling, you know, sort of, uh, like having such a hard time with it, uh, because you, in, in some way, uh, you'd mentioned something about that, like she was, you know, you, you were like watching over her. Did you like blame yourself in, in a way, uh, that, that you could, like, there was something that you could, you could have done more. Yeah, I did. Um, so, so right before she died, she died, uh, two weeks before Christmas and, um, two weeks before she passed away, she, uh, she was arrested. I don't remember what it was for, but she was arrested. And she called me from where she was. And she asked me if I would bail her out and let her sleep at my home. It was the night before Thanksgiving. Now I knew she was, you know, in over her head with addiction issues. And it was a really difficult time. And I had my, at the time, I, you know, I have two young sons. I had, uh, my youngest son was, was newborn at the time. He was only six months old. So I told her, no, she couldn't come. And the next day when she called me, I didn't answer her calls. And I didn't cancel her calls for a week after that. And then she died. And so the week before she died, she had left me three voicemails. And she was begging me to pick up the phone. And I didn't pick up. And that's that's the last communication that we had. So... Yeah. You know, it, it's not your fault, right? Yeah, I do. But part of me, you know, sees that as two whole weeks that I could have spent with her, you know, two more whole weeks that I could have had. When now I'll just take 30 seconds. I'll take a hug. Damn it. You know, how long did it take you or did you or, or if at all, did you uh, erase those messages or did you did you keep them and and play them over and over i still have them saved on the on the phone and i have my phone in my nightstand and it's been there since i haven't listened to them but they're saved i just i can't get rid of it and i know they're there <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's tough man so I, I i'm I, I am really truly sorry that you had to go through that that's a it's a tough addiction i wanted tough. to share the story to you because it's something that you know i i didn't think i was ever going to get over and in fact and I'll tell you, just for the benefit of of having it out there for anybody that might hear me and, and hopefully they get help, I had actually booked myself a hotel room, you know, to go and 
and commit suicide. Five minutes away from my house, I was ready. I was at the lowest point of my life, and I felt that I felt almost like I had lost my daughter. And I, something in me, I was at, I was just so over my head with depression that I couldn't dig out. And with the help of a physician and the proper medication, I did. Now, not everybody believes in that, but the way it was explained to me, and I'll just explain it super briefly, is that when your brain is functioning normally, it produces chemicals that are responsible for balancing your emotions. And when you go through a depression, your body continues to use those chemicals, but it doesn't produce any more of them. So you go into depletion. And you reach a point where you can't make any more. So I was at that point where my brain was altered. That was the way it was explained to me. Now I was able to get through that and and dig myself out. But, you know, if you had told me four years ago that it was possible that I was going to be able to do that and dig myself out and be better than I ever was before, I never would have believed you. Yeah. Yeah. Mental health is, is, that's a that's a tough one too, man. Because it, it, it's when you don't, uh, it's such a it's, a it's it's a silent thing. You know what I mean? It's something you can't see. And so people that people that that like myself, I, when like I, I remember I had uh, somebody that I was with that was that was struggling with stuff like that, and I it's I couldn't understand it. I it was really difficult to understand because you can't see it, and. And then you, and then, and then, you know, I, you, it, it was always a debilitating, you know, factor for everything. And it was like, at some point I'm like, you're just, you're just, this is just an excuse. You know, you're just making an excuse cause you don't want to go and do something. And, but yep. you, you can't, I mean, I, I don't know, man. I, I like when I, I mean, I've had downtimes, you know, before, yeah. but it, for some reason it's just, I, I, I guess maybe I just know how to cope with it cause I've been through it so many times. <laughs> You know, that, that I have just yeah. a, a routine that I follow, you know, it's like, all right, well, here, this is where we need to start. Do this, get that done, do this, get that done. And it's like, okay, now I'm back on right. track again. You know, right. it's almost like you fall off track and then you find yeah. a way to, to get back on and not everybody's right. got that. And you're, and you're, you're blessed that you have that capacity. Yeah, you know, yeah. some people don't have the capacity to do that at all. Yeah. And then, and then where do you go from there? Yeah, you're right. And so that, that's when I like really start stopped like, okay, well, you know, I, I have no idea about this. Just like, you know, it's when you say you're addicted, I mean, yeah, other, other than you have the actual, uh, behavior with addiction that goes with it that, okay, yeah, it's obviously he's addicted. Look at the dumbass things that he's doing and the bad decisions that he's making. Right. You know, sure. So, but there's, they make a lot of bad decisions. Bipolar people, uh, make a lot of bad decisions too. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, they, they self, they, they self-medicate, you know, that's, they don't want to be on their medicine, but they'll, they'll go and try and find something else. Uh, they get, they get hypersexual, um, you know, they go on the, and that's without the drugs. I mean, that's just normal. It's just, that's just how the, 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 the chemicals work, you know? That's how it goes. Yep. Yep. But, but don't we all, I mean, of course that's, that's like a, a pronounced symptom of bipolar, but I would say, don't we all self-medicate to a degree? I mean, yeah. I have a glass of, of Grey Goose right yeah. here in front of me. And, you know, I, I knew I was going to sip on it and feel good tonight. And so I knew you were too. We and I so judgmental. Yeah. And I had that. I'm, I'm taking, <laughs> I took an, I took an edible earlier. 
you know, I'll nice. be the, I'll be the first yeah, one. To, right. I'll be the first one to tell you that. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you know, it, it's, it, it's fine. I mean, people need an escape, but I think the, you know, not like I'm any better than anybody else or, or like my way is any better, but I just know what my drug of choice did to me. And I was lucky it wasn't heroin because heroin, you, it, there's no telling once you leave and come back, if you're going to come back again. Uh, that's the one yep. thing with opiates that it, they're very dangerous. Um, and cause you, you it's very serious. Yes. Yeah, you think that you think that you're going to be able to bang the, the same way that you amount that you did once you stopped. And then, you know what I mean? You don't realize that your body's not capable. You're not, you don't, you're not building up another tolerance and it just, you OD yourself. And so right. with meth, it's a lot different. And so I, I'm lucky that I was able to walk away from it and, uh, and, and, and talk about it. You are, you know, and come out on top, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm trying. I'm doing, doing great. I'm, 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 I did a lot. I'm doing a lot better than I, uh, I, I was 10 years ago. That's for sure. You know, I was impressed. I was impressed when I read your bio and I read your story and I saw your progress. And I have to say, I, I have to give it to you. Well, thank you. You've done it, a great job. It was, it was a long road. Um, but let's just, let's just hope that, you know, a lot of people don't have to go through that. And I think that, you know, us talking about stuff like this, you know, you're healing as well as I'm healing just from listening to you and being able to talk to you about it, you know, and if I'm glad, yeah. And and if people would just take that approach with more things in life, you know, that we have more similarities and we have differences, you know what I mean? We're more alike than we're not. Yep. We are absolutely a hundred percent. We need to all, I think the one thing that I find that people don't do enough is really look in the mirror and recognize, you know, Hey, you're not perfect. There are a lot of things that you might do wrong or you might do that people don't you know, like, but you want people to accept you for those things, right? You think they're minor or you think they're no big deal. Well, you know, you've got to be accepting of other people too. And everybody's human at the end of the day. We all want the same things. We want love and we want acceptance and we just want to live good life, right? That's what it's about. Yep. Uh, the guy that I was talking about earlier, he, this is exactly what he was talking about. So his, his idea was, is that, you know, same thing. He was a, he was a hippie, uh, you know, growing back in the day. And he was just saying that he's going to start a thing, uh, like a, a docudrama, you know, where he just goes around the world and just sits and talks with people because nobody ever asked a stranger, how are you today? You know what I mean? How are you? Something right. as simple as that. I mean, that's, that's, that's so like, it's just so, it's so easy. You know what I mean? And you're around people and if all they day ask, long. If you're in New York, they might ask and, and people will say, Oh yeah, good. Great. Thanks. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And if you say anything more than that, you're like weird. Cause you're like, okay, you're oversharing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's like, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, we've kind of lost that sense of, I don't know, responsibility for each other, for humans and for being good to each other. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, we've gone so distant, you know, to the point where, I mean, I've lived in, I've lived in apartments where I don't even know my neighbors and they're like the next door and the next two doors, you know, I I had no idea who they are, you know, and, and, you know, we, when we evolved, we evolved in villages, right? 
with, with, you know, communal everything, you know, and, and I think that, uh, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, I think when you had children in a, in a village like that, you know, the, the term, it takes a village to raise a, a, raise a child, right? A lot of the time, I can't hear you. Did you take your, Hello. Yep, I got you now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. And um, so you know, it takes a village to raise a child, a child, right? And so a yeah. lot. I don't know if this is fact or not, and I, I and so don't, don't you can fact check me if you like, but I mean the reason why the whole village would take care of all the children is because a lot of times they didn't know who the who the dad was. You know what I mean? Because the women. <laughs> no, seriously. Because <laughs> it was that's how that, that's how it was. <laughs> You know, oh my God. yeah, totally. I mean, that sounds, that sounds like a lot of fun. Well, I mean, I don't know if it, it was like that, you know what I mean? Like, you know, a planned orgy or something. You what know? the hell? <laughs> I've never heard that before. I've never heard that. Look it up. I think, you know, I heard it on some podcast. I'm going to have to. <laughs> I'm definitely fact checking you on that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, monogamy in itself is not natural, you know? Just, just think about if you, it's a forced thing, you know, I mean, I do it, but you know, I, I, I actually, you know, sometimes I just prefer to stay single because it's, it's just easier. I think I would, I would say that we probably have the propensity to fall in love with one person and become emotionally close with one person, but emotion and physicality are different things, right? Yeah, because we're here to do one thing. We're here to procreate. That's how we're biologically wired. And so a lot of the things and behaviors that we have revolve around that. You know what I mean? Procreation, moving, spreading the seed, propagating, uh, moving the, the bloodline on. Uh, and, and that, I mean, that's really what it, it, it all boils down to. And so you have, I guess, I don't know, maybe that's, I guess it would be a problem. You know what I mean? If everybody just went buck wild and it was just getting it on with everyone. Uh, <laughs> so there'd be a lot of, a lot of issues. I mean, it might be, I don't know. Or maybe a lot of problems would be solved. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. I have no idea. I'm just stuck in, I'm just stuck in a trailer somewhere in Northern California. Yeah. I don't think we're finding out anytime soon, but you know, if if I come closer to the answer, I'll let you know. In California, I thought you were in Nevada. No, I went to prison. I went to prison in Vegas. So yeah. How long were you there? In prison? Um, uh, from about, probably about three years. I had two 18 month sentences. And I think I got out in 15 months from the state and then I paroled out to the feds and I did another 15 months, something like that. So not a lot of time. Uh, how was your, how was your, I mean, was it, was it as bad as they portray it in the movies? Was it worse? Was it? I mean, I was like, I was, I, like, I wasn't a hard dude. You know what I mean? I was just, I just looked like it and I was tall and I was big. You know what I mean? I, I had size on me. And so that usually was what saved me in my life. You know what I mean? Is this, I had the size and I had the, I looked yeah. mean. And so people right. wouldn't mess with me. Yeah. And so I, I would, you know what I mean? So I never yeah. really had to, 
I mean, I've been in fights and, and I had prior to that, but like nothing serious, nothing that where I would be like, you know, I could beat somebody up. I was more like always like, damn, I hope I don't have to fight him, uh, you know. And uh, what, so, so is it exactly? I've always been curious about this. Is it? All right, you're back out. Hold on, I just missed all of that. You keep, you keep pulling it out of the thing. I don't know why. So the next time this goes out, I'm just gonna have to. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, you're on. Okay, so the next time it goes out, I'm just gonna have to use my laptop mic because I don't know why it's doing that. I'm gonna have to. Um, I'm gonna have to call you anime. I'm sorry. Because you're, you're animated when you're talking. You were just talking about this <laughs> yeah. on a post or something. Yeah. I was. I'm all body language, like 100%. I'm a New Yorker, you know? <laughs> um, so, so, but, but this is, so this is my thing. So, like, it, the first day of prison, they always say that you have to establish your dominance. You have to let everybody know that you're going to fuck them up if they come near you. Is that true? Is that true? No. <laughs> No. Well, I mean, I don't know. I was in a medium. That was the highest security that I went to. So I don't know what it's like in a, a Max or a USP or anything like that. But uh, not know. not really. I mean, when you first get you to said USB, United States prison, that's what they call a, uh, a federal uh, place. USP. Yeah. Okay. I thought you said USB. All right. And, <laughs> yeah, USB. <laughs> Just plug it in. <laughs> um, yeah. So. When you when you first go, I mean, I spent a lot of time in the in in my uh, trying to fight my case. So like almost, I'd say almost eight or nine months, um, and that's in a city a city and county facility, which is you know they're more dangerous than a prison because a prison has a lot of rules, political rules. You know what I mean? You can't just go you can't just go off and punch somebody that's a different race. You can't, uh, yeah, I wouldn't think so. Yeah, yeah. You can't, you can't put hands on people and, you know, just randomly. I mean, I'm sure it's it does. generally a bad idea in real life and in prison. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I mean, you know, there are consequences for, for things that, you know, when you, a lot of, a lot of the problems that happen in prison are due to gambling, drugs, and, uh, and, and, and just owing people money, you know, okay. uh, cigarettes, stuff like that. I, you know, when I first got there, I was, uh, I was scared, man. I, I was, uh, I, I didn't know what to expect. I'd watched a lot of cops and a lot of, uh, uh, those other, those other shows. And, yeah, sure. Of course. And so you, I have an, I have an idea of, of what I think I'm walking into, but you don't know, you don't know what it is. I'd already been jumped, uh, once while I was in, uh, you know, in the county thing, which, you know, kind of, cause I wanted to roll in and just do my time and, and not have to, you know, worry about anything. Right. And so I don't want to have to click up with anyone. I don't want to have to, you know, be anybody's uh, muscle for anything, right? I just want to do my time. I want to go home. Um, and you can't, you can't do that. So and when yeah, I was, no, in, I wouldn't think so. And when I was in county, I would, I, I would definitely. Yeah, when I was in the county situation, I I got myself into a a, a little bit of a, <laughs> a little bit of a problem, and uh, with some of the the gangbangers, and. Uh, so yeah, they 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 tuned me up a little bit, <laughs> like four of them. My God, wow! But I mean, it, it. I mean, I they didn't they didn't I didn't let them. Like I fought them off for a little bit, but I I was over I was overpowered. You know what I mean? There's nothing I could do. So what I just did is I just covered up, covered my face, so they couldn't make it to where I would get sent out of the unit and have to go to uh, uh, solitary because I wouldn't tell on them. You know what I mean? Right. And so I just made sure that they couldn't do that. That's scary. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, it, it was what it was. Um, and then, you know, there's always, you know, the stuff that you hear about child molesters and people, you know, and them getting beat up. And, you know, sometimes the guards would even, if, if, if they didn't like PC up and say, I want to go to protective custody right when they got to the landed in wherever they were going, um, and they got through, like sometimes the guards would come and tell you so you can take care of them and, and, and get them to where they need to be. Uh, you know, so yeah, it seems, it just seems very stressful. It is. It is. It is. It's a lot. It's, uh, it's, um, you're just, you're always on, you're always ready for something to go to, to jump off. You know what I mean? It's just, and it's not really something that you can, if you're on the outside looking into this and, and you're not a part of the population and know what's going on, you wouldn't know that. But when you know what's happening, like, Oh, these people over here got beef with these people. And you know that, you know, it's, you're you're all out of the yard and you don't know if if you know the, the shit's going to pop off with them and then you're just going to get into you know you're going to get sucked into it in some way or get hit by hit by I the bullets know. when you got to you know lay down on the ground so i mean yeah it is a stressful situation i uh i had yeah. to i had to uh uh i got ptsd from it you know what i mean it took me a while to uh decompress when i got out because I had already, I'd had this, you know, for three years, I, I was, in, it was ingrained that, you know, because it, it's separate, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, segregated. And so, you know, I wasn't a racist right. type of person, but I had to not like black people. I had to not like, you know, the, the, the Mexicans or, you know, whoever our, our well, enemies you, you were. You needed protection, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Whoever yep. the enemies were, you know, to the, to the group that you were assigned to. Uh, you know, or uh, identified with, uh, you know, you just kind of got to follow along, even if you don't want to, because if, if you, if you are the one that does, that stays in your cell when you need to be out, you know, uh, fighting, you're, you're going to get your ass kicked when, and, and get bounced out. <laughs> that sounds like so scary. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even last. Like, I don't think I'd last a day. Yeah. I don't think I'd last a day. <laughs> I really don't. I mean, it's just, it seems like, like, I don't know. I didn't do very well with the mean girls in high school either. So I feel like, yeah, I feel like it's just like mean girls times a thousand with, <laughs> with shanks. And I just, I would not be into it. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing that you don't do bad things that are, that will get you there. Well, at least not no, bad enough. No. At least no. not bad enough that the first time you got caught, you would end up there. No, no, I'm smoking. I'm smoking a joint peacefully in my basement. That's That's the worst thing I'm doing. <laughs> Shame on you. Shame on me indeed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, damn, we're at 53 minutes, almost an hour here. Is there anything else you want to wrap up? How did we do? How I did... said, how did we do? What do you think? Oh, I think it's great. I think, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, you got some, uh, some real stuff in there, you know, and that's good. I'm just, I'm just happy that you got a chance to, to talk about it, you know? I don't know how often you do talk about it. Probably not very often. I don't, you know, no. Nope. but you know, when we, no, when, I mean, no, I was going to say, I was looking through your, through your podcast content and it just seemed like a good fit, you know, to get, to get the story out there. Something that I feel like, you know, kind of passionate about. And I think people's understanding on it is kind of limited to a degree. So have you ever, have you ever listened to Johan Hari? No. Google him. Johan Hari and it's uh he does a TED talk about and it says everything we think we know about addiction is wrong. And he goes through an amazing 15 to 18 minute uh spiel on 
with 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 facts and backing up you know what he's saying uh and it's it's a really interesting uh ted talk and he's very and he's I'll spot definitely check it out yeah he's spot on too i mean everything that he's he's saying about it is is true you know uh his main thing is is the, the opposite of addiction is connection you know and the way that we deal with it in the united states and in some of these other countries that follow the united states you know there are some countries like portugal that are actually winning the war on drugs that they have and they've legalized everything across the board and they and all of their numbers are down and, and yeah and and, yep. and it's not even it's not increasing it's not it's it's all going down so you know, their model is, is working and it's a model that we should be working on and stop shaming people that are, are struggling with a disease called addiction and start giving them and start, lo- you know, showing them love and compassion. And, and, you know, but just the, the model that we're in is just not working at all in a lot of areas in, in our society, <laughs> not just there. It's hundred percent. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, right? It comes down to those things that we all want as humans. We want love and we want acceptance. Yeah, and, and not to be lied to, you know, by the the people that we, the, the people that we you know are supposed to be making sure that we're safe, or you know what I mean, like not playing games. And yeah. I, and I feel I feel like you know we're yeah. just we're just in a in a game a lot of the times and it's you you got this time this side and this side and it's like there nothing ever gets done and it's just like this game and you know when when something bad when something bad happens they just go oh well shit let's just print more money that'll fix it (laughs) (laughs) yeah money's evil money's the root of all evil you know instead of actually addressing the problems uh you know because it's all tied to finances you know yeah, it's all about what what you can profit from, and you know, <laughs> turning people into capital. That's what, unfortunately, that's what it's become. Yeah, I think I should have been in the sixties. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I should have. I should have been. That should have been my my uh, like this age right now in the sixties. I, I would have been perfect for me. Free love. Yeah, I you don't know? know, but then there'd be no podcasts. What would you do? Oh, I'd be on a box preaching. <laughs> at Woodstock, on the radio. yeah, at Woodstock, you know, you know, I'd have my, I'd have my, my, my pulpit right there, and I'd just be, you know, preaching. You know, when I was, when I would be on a, that on a, nice. when I'd be on a run, uh, and I'd have people over at my house back when I was selling coke and shit, I would, I would get high, and I'd get everybody high, and we, and I would, uh, I would do that. I would literally have there would be people on the couch, and I'd be up there like holding sermon. <laughs> See, you were always meant to talk. Oh, you were always meant to speak. I don't know what I, I was probably trying to lead him into into something bad. <laughs> what made you get into podcasting? Joe Rogan. Really? Uh, yeah, I listened to yeah. yeah. So I mean, even after I got off uh, drugs and everything else, and uh, I turned my life around, I still had issues, man. I, I because it. It's just because you remove the symptoms of the problem doesn't mean, and you're not addressing the problem, uh, you're never going to fix the problem. Right. And the problem was sitting right here. You know, I didn't have to go very far to find it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was just the ability it's to. It's amazing that you can recognize that, though. You know, it's amazing that you can recognize. And so many people can't recognize that it starts with them. Yeah. And, 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 you know, a lot of that was just listening to him and, you know, the couple years after, you know, uh, 
some other things that happened and it's just, I just got to the point where I was like, you know, you're, you're not a very good significant other. You know, you have issues, you have anger issues. You don't know how to respond to people, right? You don't know how to treat people, right? You're still being disrespectful to, you know, it's like all of these things are still happening and, and you need to address it. So I just was like, you know what? I'm just going to take the next year, year and a half and, you know, work on it, you know, and, and try to work on you. Yeah. And try to, try to straighten it out. And I mean, I still, I still fall, you know, I still sometimes, you know, slip and say things that I don't mean and, and, and have to feel bad. You know, uh, a big part of, of, of why I stopped doing a lot of things that I do is I just, I got tired of doing things that I had to apologize for. Yeah. Like having to put yourself be yourself. Yeah. Well, putting myself in positions where I would do things where I would have to apologize to somebody, you know? Yeah. I understand. And, and you know, that, that guy that, that gets drunk and then everybody's got to tell him about how much of an asshole he was the next day, you know? Uh, that's how it was with my, with my using, you know, I would just uh, tune everything out. I mean, I went AWOL from a marriage for three months, just poof, gone later. Didn't even call, didn't answer the phones, didn't do nothing. I just was in, in the CD underworld of, uh, wherever I was hanging out. And, and, and that's just how, that's what my mindset was. You know, it's just, I thought that little of everybody else and it's people really underestimate the control that drugs can take over you. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's, it's been nice to, uh, you know, I feel like through this podcast, I've actually gotten myself back, you know, cause I'm able to interact with people again and find my voice again and, and who I am and who I want to be and what I'm trying to do and just getting stronger in, in how I'm doing everything, raising my daughter, being a father, uh, all of these things that I'm showing up for now, uh, you know, it's, it's all because of, of the things that I've listened to in podcasts. Cause well, you, as well as anybody who's listened to a podcast knows that you have your favorite, but off that favorite spawns a bunch of different things. You go down sure. rabbit holes, you know what I mean? So it was yeah. Rogan one day and then he had a guest that was, uh, you know, Jordan Peterson followed him for a while. Then I found Sam Harris, you know, through that. And so it was all these little things. And, you know, I had nothing but time to listen because when I was working, I was always by myself. So I had eight hours a day on a shift with earbuds in just listening to, to amazing people, you know, the smartest people yeah. that you could possibly amaze it, it could have. And I have access to these people. I'm like a fly on the wall of these conversations that are, are awesome. And, you know, through listening to them, it's like I'm learning so much about myself. But as I'm learning about myself, I'm really learning how to how to treat other people and how to be a person, you know. Or, or there's, there's a, I have a saying I say, I think I got it mixed up, but whatever. All right. Just have a little more chocolate. You'll figure it out. Yeah. Well, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, Well, my next one, my next one actually is, is part two of what I did. So I was on this dude's, uh, uh, show. Right. And so we got going so long. We're like into like two hours, I think. And I'm like, dude, I, I'm only like two thirds of the way through this, this story. I said, we're going to, we're going to have to pick this up after I finish doing my other one. So around eight or eight or nine, I'm going to do the the second part of it. Very nice. I'm probably going to be fat. Well, not fast asleep, close to it, I guess. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm on a roll right now uh, with, that's awesome with recording and, and doing all of that stuff. It's uh, to me, it's not that hard. It's simple. Like when you simplify, so cool. when you simplify it with uh, like, 
all of these different tools that we have for emailing and, and scheduling and like all this, all I do is just send the, send the, the link tree and here you go ahead and, and put all the stuff together and, and, you know, send me your, your guest form. And so now I have the information on you. It's just, it's simplified it so much that it's, it's almost like I had to set it and, it, and forget it. And it's just going on its own. <laughs> I love that. Love that. You know? Very cool. Yeah. You know, so it's fun, man. I'm having a good time. I hope you're having yeah. as fun as I am doing these things. Uh, I'm having a great time. For the first time in my life, I feel like I can be myself in a space where I don't have to report to anybody or wear a dress code or, you know, abide by a dress code, I mean, and or, or do whatever, you know, I could just be me 100% yep. unfiltered. It's pretty cool. Yep. And you can say what you want to say. You can do what you want to yeah. do. That's right. Um, and, you know, if it turns into something, it turns into something. If it doesn't, it That's doesn't. Right. You know, it's like there's no pressure. Uh, and the podcasting community, yeah. those rooms, dude, they're awesome, man. Oh, I'm, my gosh. When, so cool. They're filled with the best people, I have to say. Yeah. When I first got in into it like a year, uh, like a little over a year ago, and I first got into those rooms, I you know, you, if you listen to like some of my earlier episodes, I, that's, I say the exact same thing. I'm like, man, these rooms are hella cool, man. I was expecting to have like all kinds of like, you know, negative shit. And there are some negative things. Yep. I heard that one dude. Well, yeah, couple. What? But you know what? He's the only one. There is only one person. We won't even say his name because no. we won't even give him publicity. Yeah. But there's one person that was trolling around this page that we were on but he was the only person yeah, that i yeah. saw actually trolling i did see some people kind of being a little jerky but but it was like it wasn't like trying to troll you know and i don't even think that that was that wasn't even the one that i'm the moderator in or an admin in that was pod promote your podcast or something right because the one oh, that, no he followed me he followed me from room from from place to place oh yeah Oh man, you got your yeah, own personal he, stalker. I do. He he uh he made sure he called me ugly and and you know all these like horrible names and I was just like, dude, really? And I and I actually thanked him for keeping my posts up at the top of the page. I, I like, saw I that. Your, I was, that was the, I love your attention. This is amazing. And yeah. he got really mad. You're keeping me relevant. Thank you. Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> He's like, somebody needs to keep you in line. I'm like, well, I don't think so. I think that's part of my appeal, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So yeah, it's uh, I I like it. I I'm, I'm like I said, I'm having a good time. I hope you are too. It sounds like you are. Uh, you got to get your uh your co-host to you know, you could actually get her on to do that. You could actually get her on to do these things and she can just not turn on the thing and, and you can still have her on the phone on the audio portion of it. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll do that. Yeah. Like you know? she should definitely be on video because she's super hot. So like the two of us together be like perfect. And, <laughs> and I just keep trying to convince her. I'm like, you know, you can be, you're like the, you're like the beauty and the brains of the operation. And I feel like I'm just the attitude. <laughs> Ashley's it. But I'm trying to get her on video. She just won't do it. Ah, she'll 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 come around sooner or later. Yeah, we'll, well get her there. Well, what you're gonna under, what you're gonna start seeing is that your numbers once you once you go onto YouTube and you're on video, your numbers are gonna, especially because you're two girls. Yeah, you know your numbers will definitely blast up. You know, because guys are dumb; they don't care what you're saying. It's oh, it's cute. Okay. I want to watch. Oh, I don't know. It's it's intimidating. It's it's intimidating for sure. You know, 
I mean, because so in my everyday job, I mean, I don't know, I don't have too much more time, but I'll tell you real quick. So in my everyday job, I lecture and I do workshops and trainings and, but I'm in a corporate environment and I wear a suit and people have to be nice to me. They're not allowed to say terrible things. (sighs) I go on YouTube and that's it. Like, it's like all bets are off. So who knows? There could be like a hundred trolls, like that one troll the other day. And I just don't know if my fragile ego could take it. Ah, uh, you just gotta not. You don't, don't, don't hang out in the comments. It's totally a joke. Yeah. It's totally a joke. Don't, don't hang out in the comments. That's for sure. If you want, if you want to leave with your self esteem intact, stay away from the comments. I guess that's a good rule of thumb for yeah. sure. You know that that's Rogan's rule. He's like, I don't even go down there. Is it? Yeah, Is it? yeah. He's like, really? I, I don't even nice. go. I don't okay, even, good. I don't even go into the comments. I don't even, I don't even, <laughs> nope. <laughs> Nothing I need I'll there. Take his advice. Nice. <laughs> that's perfect. Sean, thank you so much for having me on the show tonight. I really like, really enjoyed hanging out with you. Right on. Well, I appreciated you come. I appreciate. I appreciate you coming out as well and hanging out. And I mean, we made this happen like super fast. I mean, it wasn't, I mean, we just put this together. What today? Yeah. Just today. Yeah. But so. I was totally down for it. Cause you're like, so cool. Oh, right on. So I'm, of course. I'm, I'm glad you think I'm cool. I think you're cool too. And I think you got a good show well, and you. I'm going to be continuing to listen to it as you know, I'm sure a lot of people will be and I'll continue to plug it. Thank you so much for you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. Thank you, Amber. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why we're nodding our heads so violently, but it's working. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's, I, mean, just, I just want to smile and nod. Yes, yes, yes. I just yes. wanted to give you a sign out. Uh-huh. And that's it. All right. Oh, yeah. So I'm just going to sip on my drink real quick. I'm being summoned upstairs for uh, I don't know what, but <laughs> I'm in my basement right now. This oh. is like the smoking lounge. Oh, right on, right on. You got your, uh, you got your man cave, your woman cave. Yeah, that's right. My woman cave. Yes, although that sounds really, really weird. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I wasn't thinking that. Your lady cave. Your lady. Your your lady. Sounds your, so terrible. You can't even it's say. It's getting your, worse. It's getting worse. You can't even say lady space. Your lady space. <laughs> My lady space. <laughs> I'm schwitzing. All right. Uh, All right. Well, that that right, that Sean. that was worth that was worth it right there. I got, I got, I got a good do- dose, of, dose of laughter right there. So, all right, Amber, it was great well, talking I, to you. I hope you enjoy your night. You too. All right. Take care. All right, bye. bye. You've been listening to the nowhere to go, but up podcast. Sean is a single dad, a union blue collar guy, and he spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. When he was released from prison in 2006, all he had was the clothes on his back, a bag of mail and some paperwork. Since then, he's turned his life around and shares the struggles and successes on this podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we hope you were moved to connect to the show. Book a guest spot. For merch, Patreon, PayPal, and social media links, go to linktr.ee slash nowhere to go but up. On Instagram at nowhere to go but up now. On Twitter at but up now. On the YouTube channel at nowhere to go but up podcast. See you next time.